You know, guys, I have been enamored with this idea of blessing. And the reason I, I think so is because for so long, you know, I grew a Baptist. And now, um, now I would consider myself a charismatic. You say, what do you mean charismatic? Uh, some of you who are still from, my, from the Baptist side of things are going, whoa, pastor, hold on. Listen, charismatic is the, is the title God gave me in his word. I have been graced. Charisma, charismata means graced or the graced ones. How many of you have been graced? I've been graced. I've been given what I don't deserve. And it's a tremendous blessing. God just gives a blessing. And so I've just been so into this idea of blessing because growing up the way I did in the tradition I did, we didn't always talk about those spiritual aspects of things. Like for instance, there's a tremendous teaching in God's word that shows us there's a lot of power in the things we say. Life and death is found in the power of the tongue and those that use it often will reap its consequences. That's what the proverb says. But not only that, how many times do you see men of God? I'm going to talk to my fathers today. Can I do that? Can I talk to the dads? Can I talk to the men and say men as, as husbands, as, as fathers, as heads of households, as just, just a privileged place in, in, in the, in the community? I just want to, I just want to tell you what a, what a privilege you have, but not just a privilege. What an authority you have to speak over things and to lay hands on things. And I see this often in God's word, how fathers would take their blessing. They would put it upon their children. And what they proclaimed would have power. Come on, how many of you know you have power with your words, but not just your words, your touch. Your intentional decision to move things forward in the name of Christ. Amen. Now, I just want to share something with you. I had the privilege of baptizing my children. You saw it, but my pants are a little wet. And uh, I don't want you to think otherwise. (laughs) Right? And so I'm just like, wait a minute, uh, I can feel the breeze. Um, listen, uh, we said last week that God calls us to what? To listen and to love and to obey. This is a big deal, guys. This is a big deal. And today I would say, listen to God's word. It's different from hearing. It's very much different from hearing. And you say, well, pastor, I'm not a father. I'm not a, 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 a man. Would this still apply to me? Absolutely. It applies to every Christian. Every Christian, the privilege and the uh, authority they have in Christ to speak over their life and speak over their, their friends and their circle of influence and ultimately their country and their nation. And so I want to talk to you about the difference between listening and hearing. You know, you tell your children, pick up your room. Pick up the clothes that mom washed for you. Do this, do that. They can hear you. And you say, did you hear me? And they say, yes, right? But then when it's not done, you come back and then you say something to this effect. You say, did you hear me? Yes, I heard you. Well, then I need you to listen to me and do it now. Not when you want to, do it now. And that's what God emphasizes to us when he says this. And we said this last week. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. And if we're really going to be people of influence, if we're really going to have power in our words, if we're going to have power in the things that we proclaim in faith, then we need to be what? Listeners that obey and love God. 
Because when you listen, obey, and love God, you become more like someone who can listen, obey, and love God, who becomes more like someone who can listen, obey, and love God. You see, you actually are becoming who you are becoming. Or putting it another way, you are becoming who you are being. And that's, that's the thing. The more we move towards God, the more he blesses us and the more faith we can, we can have. And what I really want to share with you today is leaving a legacy. Leaving a legacy. Think about that. Leaving a legacy. A legacy, very simply put, is leaving something of value. Now I need you to understand something with me. That to leave something of value, you have to be intentional. Because valuable things don't just happen. Don't just happen. But I want you to also consider that word value. What I value may not be what you value. And there's a lot of subject, subjectiveness, right? It's subjective. What's valuable? Because some people value material possessions. But is that the most valuable thing? Because this is the thing. The thing you value the most is what you're going to try to leave. And if you, tr- if you value material things, then that's what you're going to try to leave to your children. You're going to try to leave material things. Now, how many of you know that you do need material things to operate in this world? And so it's not wrong to have material things. It's wrong for the material things to have you. Amen. And, and that's the thing that we have to keep straight. But, but I want to, I want to highlight one more thing that we're going to unfold in this message. And that's this. You have to be intentional about leaving it, but the next generation has to be intentional about receiving it. So you have something of value that's left and something of value that's received. So at the end of the day, we're talking about leaving and receiving. What are you leaving? You know, the other day, my wife asked me, she said, Chris, um, if you passed away, I'm like, hello, (laughs) you know, and I'm like, baby, are we planted something here? You know, would we be taken care of? And immediately my mind goes to what fathers, providers, where would your mind go? Your mind goes to, have I provided? Have I provided in a material way? But the truth is, there's things that are more important than just the provision material provides. It's the provision of, have I prepared my children to succeed? Do they know how much I love them? Will they be strong in their faith to carry on even without me? Will they hear the words of my counsel in their mind? Will they remember the passages we read and the times we spent at the table understanding God's word and teaching them God's word? Are they still little saplings or are they now becoming trees planted by the goodness of God? stream. Amen. Because that's what should go through a father's mind. We should understand that leaving something is important and the blessings are found throughout God's word. How about this blessing? What if this was our desire to leave this blessing that is found in numbers six, 24 and 26 through 26, the Lord bless you and keep you. What if that was your intention every single day, fathers, husbands, to bless your home with this type of blessing? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. You know, this is interesting because 
If you were raised in a home like I was, I didn't always think of peace. I thought of discipline and making sure things were done my way and done right. But God emphasizes peace. Watch this. Watch this blessing found in the book of Romans. What if this was our blessing? The the blessing we intentionally wanted to leave. The blessing that God uses Paul to speak over the Roman church. And he says this. May God, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. There's that peace again. There's that word joy in believing. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Oh wow. How about this one? What if this was deep in our heart and we conveyed this to our children? We conveyed this to our families and said, and may God supply every need. May God supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Meaning, children, God may not provide for every greed, but he'll provide your need. I promise you, he'll provide your need. He may not provide your greed. That doesn't mean he's going to provide everything you can dream of under the sun. But what you need to accomplish his good pleasure, he will provide it and he will never be late. He will be there on the spot. You can trust him. You can trust him. And I just want to give you a paradigm shift. I want you to start thinking in terms of blessing your family and leaving them something that they can take with them that will bless a thousand generations in the future. And it can start with you. It can start with you. Think about this with me. The power of our words are very, very powerful. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 18, or Proverbs 18, verse 21, listen to this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. What does he say, they that love it? He's basically saying, if you like to talk, if you like to use your tongue, and who doesn't? You're going to reap its consequences. You're going to reap its consequences, meaning bad or good. And you can see this over and over played out in God's word. In the book of Joshua, you see Joshua lead the charge against Jericho. And because of God's supernatural power, Jericho comes tumbling down. And Joshua pronounces this curse. He says, this, this, this city shall not be rebuilt. I curse this, this place. And I proclaim that whoever attempts to rebuild it will do it at the cost of their two children. He will lay its foundations with its oldest son, with his oldest son, and put up its gates with their youngest son. Do you realize if you turn in your Bibles to 1 Kings 16, 34, it was during Ahab's rule. This is hundreds of years later. This actually came true. A man by the name of Hiel of Bethel did that very thing and lost two sons. How about this? In 2 Samuel 1.21, the Bible talks about David cursing a land. How did he curse it? He said this, O mounds of Gilead, let there be no dew or rain upon you. Let it be barren upon you. Because why? He was saddened that it was on that place that Saul and his good friend Jonathan were killed. And do you realize that thousands of years later when Israel returns to the promised land and they start cultivating the land and start planting and start working the land and the land starts flowering and uh, blossoming and blooming. Um, I showed that, I shared that with you that that was a matter of prophecy that when God would draw his people back the land would once again come to life and that in fact has happened except on those hills they had a very, they've had a very difficult time. Why? Why? Because of the authority that David has as king. 
and he spoke out of his authority. Joshua was given authority. He spoke out of his authority. You want to know who else spoke out of their authority? This was a careless time where Saul makes an oath and pronounces a consequence over anyone who eats prior to them winning the battle. He wanted to be, he was proud and he wanted to avenge himself and he he proclaimed this. And David is saying, why wouldn't you let your troops eat? This is crazy, right? Well, Jonathan ends up eating some honey inadvertently because he wasn't there when his dad pronounced this and this curse came upon him. Could this be the reason Jonathan died so young? I don't know exactly. I'm not trying to tell you. I mean, I like, I do know this. I do know that your words have consequence, especially when God has given you authority and God has given you authority to be a father, to be a husband, to be a man in this church. And to influence the goings of this community. And so what you speak, let it be words of life. Speak something great over your pastor, amen? No, speak something great over your family. Speak something beautiful over your church. Pronounce a blessing. You say, well, pastor, when can I use a curse? Tear down something that's not meant to be, amen? You say, how does that work? Well, I'm, I'm, I was intrigued the other day and I shared it with our Wednesday night group and I don't know if you heard it, but um, I think it would, it would bless you if I shared it with you today that there was a lawsuit brought because there was a particular church in Mount Vernon. How many of you know where Mount Vernon is here in Texas? There was a bar that wanted to expand and it was just next to the church and the Baptist church there decided this bar does no good. It breaks up homes. It causes all kinds of of of, of just havoc for the community we need to pray against it and so they started praying against it and they started speaking that that bar would burn down to the ground burn it to the ground burn it to the ground and guess what one night while everybody was gone it burned to the ground electrical issues boom gone well the people of the church were walking around town going yes the word of the lord i mean we speak that and, and it, it happened and we prayed over it and we fasted over it well the owner caught wind and he sued them And then the church people started saying, no, we had nothing to do with that. In their defense, they mounted the defense. We had nothing to do with that. You cannot prove it. You know, no, 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 no. He kept insisting, yes, 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 yes. Then the judge says, this is the most bizarre case I've ever heard. You got a bar owner that doesn't go to church that swears that things happen by the power of prayer in the word. And you have church people that go every Sunday that deny the power of prayer. I don't know what to make of it. Can I tell you this? I can give you example after example after example on how we have authority to speak life or death over things. I'll give you another good example. I had a roommate in college who lived a really, really, really sordid life. He was going down a really bad path and God miraculously, he was getting involved with some cartel stuff in Mexico because he was from Matamoros. And he went back there and started getting involved in stuff he shouldn't have been. And God miraculously changed him. He was on a high-speed chase, this and that. The truck flipped over. Several people died. He lived. Not a scratch on him. Got got launched out of the truck. Not a scratch on him. He gives his life to, to follow the Lord. He goes back to DTS. 
details, how many uh, Dallas Theological Seminary gets his master's degree. He's preaching the word of God. He's, he's following the Lord, has an amazing testimony. Well, there's this one particular nightclub there in the Metroplex that was causing a lot of havoc. And God just put it on his heart to pray it. And every time he would pass that nightclub, he would pray against it and pray against it and pray against it and proclaim, Lord, in the name of Jesus, shut it down, burn it down, tear it down, whatever needs to happen, but it needs to come down. That's what he would say. And it was, it was a, it was a strip joint is what it was. And lo and behold, if he's not driving by and he sees the, the, the fire trucks all around it and it is to the ground. And he felt God say, is that good enough? Can I tell you, you say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. What, what, what are you trying to tell me? I'm trying to tell you, you have authority. And if you have authority in your community, how much more authority do you have in your home? To speak a blessing over your children. To say, I don't like that in my son. I call it out and I ask it to be gone. I want this to flourish. I want that to flourish. I believe in the word of the Lord. I can show you example after example of God's word where where men of God proclaimed a blessing or a curse over things and it happened. It happened. I can show you Elijah. I can show you Elisha. I can show you kings and different prophets and, and the, and the examples go on and on. I can show you how Jesus cursed a tree and it withered up and died. And the apostles were what? Amazed. And he said, don't be amazed that this, that, that, that this happens. Can I tell you? You're going to have even more authority. You will. I will. So fathers, what? What should we do with it? We should leave a legacy. Leave something of tremendous, tremendous value. Do you realize how powerful a blessing is? Men and women of God, if you haven't taken the time to get a blessing from your home, from your family, you should do it before your parents pass away. Have them bless you. If you're not able to, or they're not in a position to bless you, then make sure the blessing starts with you. Make sure the blessing starts with me. I can, with you. I can tell you that my grandfather did that. He wasn't a Christian when he first started out. As a matter of fact, he became a Christian when he, when he tragically held his dying brother in his arms. This was way back in the valley. He was a kid and they were out horseback riding. And some bandits came out, killed his brother. None of the family was following after the Lord, but he gave his life to Jesus that day. And because he came home a Christian, because things changed in his life, it has changed our entire family tree. Our entire family tree. And I want to share something with you. You're called to do the same thing, Dad. You're called to do the same thing. I want to share with you the power of laying hands on things. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, Paul is writing. I believe Paul is the writer of Hebrews. And he says in chapter six, he says, I want to go past elementary things. But I find it interesting. He lists some elementary things. And one of the doctrines, the foundational doctrines that he says, okay, this is what we build on. But now I want to go past what we build on and actually start building some real doctrine in you. He says, he mentions the doctrine of the laying on of hands. Do you know how powerful laying on of hands is? Do you know why it's so important to actually show up in church? 
this is important, guys, and I'll tell you why it's important. Because everything in the Christian life is conveyed, almost everything is conveyed physically. Yes, it's spiritual, and some things can be done by remote, but I want you to think about it. Most of Jesus' healings took place how? Up close and personal, he touched, he laid hands, he touched, he laid hands, and he touched and laid hands on every single person. Therefore, he was exhausted and fell asleep in the boat. Because what? He literally touched. He could have done the charismatic wave. If anyone had the juice to do the charismatic wave, it was, it was Jesus. He could have said, touched. But he didn't. He one by one touched him. Why? Because it's important to feel that physical touch. And I want to share something with you. Healing is conveyed by touching. You know what else is conveyed by touching? He says the laying of a hand of blessing can be conveyed by touching. Fathers, do not miss the idea of touching your children. You can heal their spirit. You can heal their physical, but you've got to touch them. You know what else can be done? You can convey a gifting. So you can convey a blessing. You can convey healing. You can also convey what? Giftings. By receive the gift by the laying on of hands. And so your children are gifted. And you don't know if they're ever going to have that gifting begin to unfold. Lay your hands on them as Paul did Timothy and say, let it unfold, God, for your glory, for your kingdom. Lord Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I convey this blessing as their father. What if we did that every single year at their birthday? What if we refuse to let a year open the new year? I don't care about the ball in New York. Who gives a flip? What if we strike 12 and before we strike 12, the fathers bless each one of their children for the coming year? Laying hands, conveying healing, conveying blessing, conveying gifting, conveying authority. Ooh, as their children begin to grow up, you start giving them authority. Oh man, this is a, this is huge. This is huge. And it happens by touching. It happens by believing and knowing that this thing we're doing here, it's not just a worthless exercise. There's consequence to the things that God's word teaches. Oh, I can tell you. But what are you leaving? What are you leaving? Let me, let me, let me share a couple more things. The Bible says children, Proverbs seventeen six. children's children are the crown of old men. And glory, and, and the glory of children is their father. Oh, the Bible wants you to experience something beautiful. Dads, moms. How about this? The righteous man walks in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. Wow. Wow. Okay, so, so, so here we go. I want to share with you that My grandfather was a minister and he taught us a lot of great things. One of the great things he taught me is a love for God's word. And he used to teach us God's word at every opportunity. Every opportunity. And he would get out there in the yard with us and he would be teaching us God's word and teaching us God's word. But he also taught us some things that, that, that I picked up a lot easier. Because you know sometimes it's easier to pick up the bad things. 
And he um, used to say to me, you know, Chris, you are a puro peña. You know what a puro peña means? That means you are absolutely a peña. You are the quintessential, perfect, like, example of what it means to be a peña. And man, that really stuck with me. So I thought, well, what does it mean to be a peña? All the peñas are impatient. I'm impatient. And I'd be really, really impatient. And I know all the peñas can be a little selfish. And well, heck, I'm a little selfish. And, 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 and so I saw this in my grandfather. He could be really, really impatient. He would come to visit. And if he didn't like the mood in the, in the home, or, or he wouldn't even get in the home. If he didn't like the mood in the yard. Because he would honk the horn all the way down the street. Grandpa's coming. Come out and greet him. We greet him. He didn't like it. We weren't excited enough. He'd honk the horn one good time. And he'd say, yeah, my boy, get out the way. And on more than one occasion, Rick, his car literally helped me off the road. Hit me right here. Spun me around. I laid down. I'm like, dude. And he's like, I told you to move, boy. And I can remember him being a little selfish too. He comes to our wedding. I can remember him coming to our wedding. Listen to this, guys. He comes to our wedding and shows up early. Not a big deal, right, Mark? Show up early. That's what you're supposed to do. But he shows up in the church van. Not a big deal. A lot of pastors, when they're small small congregation pastors, they they, they drive the church van around. But he brought 15 people I didn't invite and didn't know. I didn't know them. And he shows up and he calls me and he says, I'm here. And I go, so? He says, I'm here with 15 families or 15 people from the church. I need you to bring me some cafecito y un panecito, por favor. That means I need some sweet bread and some coffee. Bring it quick. And so it's interesting because guess what, Grandpa? I'm Puro Peña. So just like you're insensitive and impatient and you have this, this attitude that can give it right back, so can I. So I said, Meskin, did nobody tell you to come this early and bring people I didn't invite? You figure it out. Some of you are going, ooh, oh. So then he shows up at the reception. He decides to get us back. When my roommate is my, my, my old roommate is my photographer at the time. And he taps me on the shoulder. He goes, Chris, do you know that old man over there? He's cutting your cake. Shots off a piece, he puts it on a plate and takes off. <laughs> he was larger than life, he was great. But you know what else he taught me? He taught me to give your life away for something greater than just materialism. You couldn't go anywhere without him sharing the gospel. He was sharing the gospel constantly, constantly. He would sit there in a grocery store. I dropped grandpa off right here. He said he was just going to go in and get some milk and he hasn't shown up. And then lo and behold, you get down to look for him and he's got a guy on his knees and they're praying the sinner's prayer. They're praying the sinner's prayer and he's discipling and he's growing. And you know, but it's interesting because You get to decide what you leave, but your children, now if you're a child here, if you're here, you get to decide what you receive. What do you value? Because some of my cousins received the wrong things. They don't want anything to do with the church, but I received, and some of my cousins that are pastors and, 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 and follow after the Lord, we received something totally opposite. And you know, it's interesting because you see this even in the world. 
There's a particular song that you might, you might remember, but I want you to listen to it. Come on, sing it with me. Why? Anyone know it? Why must you live by the song that you wrote? I can't do it with these shoes. I'm just carrying on an old family tradition. So listen to the words. There's a point to it. I'm very proud of my daddy's name. Although his kind of music and mine ain't exactly the same. in my position if I get stoned I'm just all night long it's a family tradition don't ask me why do you drink why do you smoke and he ain't talking about just by the songs that you wrote if I'm down in a honky tonk, some old slick trying to give me friction. Alone, I'm singing all night long. It's a family tradition. We all know the song. Think of what the devil's doing there. He's telling you his game plan. He's telling you, I want to see families and fathers leave horrible legacies so that children end up leaving horrible legacies that end up leaving horrible legacies that end up leaving horrible legacies but God says I want to bless you to the third fourth and I'm capable of blessing I'm capable of blessing a thousand generations a thousand generations if only I'd have men to believe me for it believe me for it Oh, he goes, Hank, why do you drink? Why do you smoke? I'm just following no family tradition. You know, Hank Williams Sr. died in the back of his Cadillac from cardiac arrest from a alcohol-induced heart attack. It was alcohol poisoning. At the age of 29. You want your sons dying at 29? I know I don't. And God is saying... So I want to share something with you as we finish. My grandfather, not a perfect man, neither am I. You might say, well, neither am I. But you know one thing he did do? He believed God for goodness. And while I looked over and I was thinking about honoring him at his, at his funeral at 92 when he died. They said, the nurse said he died singing praises to the Lord. Everywhere I went, he always sang. Every time I was in his house, he sang praises. He quoted scripture. He taught me. And I'm not saying this to impress you. I'm saying it to impress upon you. He was the first one to start the legacy. And now I get to be the one to pass it on. It's like I passed it on to my children today. But but I want you to think about this with me for a second. He used to pray that his children would, 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 would be preachers of the gospel, would 
And for years, I, I wrestled with God. I wrestled with what I thought was valuable. And God just wrestled with me and wrestled with me. You know, I can remember another uh, person in the Bible that wanted a blessing so bad. And it's interesting because some of us really do want a blessing. We just don't know how to go about it. And Jacob didn't know how to go about it. Jacob was always trying. He stole his brother's blessing for crying out loud. And then one day God showed up and said, you really want to be blessed? Then you got to stop wrestling with me. Jacob wrestled with God and he wrestled with God. And he said, I won't let you go, Lord Jesus, until you bless me. And then Jesus finally said, now you're getting it. You got to really want me and quit going after worldly things. Because if you go after worldly things, you're going to miss me. But if you go after me, you'll get me and everything else added as well. That's what he said. And so I can remember wanting the things the world had to offer. And I go to Baylor University and I study and I wanted to, the 2.5 kids, the SUV, the big house, the big bank account, the beautiful wife. So I was building it. I was wrestling for it. I was wrestling for it. But you know what I didn't know? What I didn't know is that my dad had taken my grandfather's blessing on him and had passed it on to me. And something very, very interesting came out when God unfolded the blessing in my life. This is what my father told me. Once I accepted my call, he said, son, do you realize when you were born, you were really sick and you had some asthma and we got really scared for a while. I held you in my arms and I laid my hands on you and I dedicated you to the Lord. And I said, you are my, here's my firstborn God. But I'm going to be patient and I'm not going to tell him. I'm going to let you tell him. And so Lord, you wrestle with him. And he's same thing that he, that the Bible talks about Jacob. He played over, prayed over me. And regardless of where this world might take him, you never let him go and you bring him back to your house and you finish what you started in his grandfather, in me, and now in him. And at 28 years old, he tells me, once I give my life to the Lord, he says, I prayed that prayer and I said, Lord, I'm gonna be patient even though it's not a pena to be patient. You might be whoever it is, but God wants to do something great in your life. So what? I'm going to share with you a little bit of my call. My call takes place. I'm wrestling with God. I'm going. I'm, I'm trying. I'm, 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 I don't know exactly what he has for me. But my wife and I show up at a little camp. And at that little camp, there were two pastors that my grandfather and my father asked me to ask them to come and fill the position. One of them was a seminar leader. The other was the camp pastor. I didn't know who to ask. I turned to my father and my grandfather. They say, ask these two men. They'll bless your camp. Midway through the camp, one of those pastors, Pastor Richard, is sitting outside our dorm room. And he says, for six months, when I, I accepted your invitation, I did it upon prayer. And for six months, I've been praying for God's purpose to come out so that I might bless the people here. Very intentional. And now I know I'm called to bless you. Whoa. Now remind you of my, I gotta remind you of my upbringing. This pastor is about to speak words of knowledge over me. He's about to prophesy over me and I'm getting uncomfortable. And I'm going, whoa, what's happening? And this is what he says. He says, 
You're, the Lord told me to tell you, you're running from him and you're never going to be happy until you give your life to preach the gospel. And you might have everything this world has to offer, but what will it matter if you miss the very reason you were put on this earth? Stop running, give your life, preach the gospel. I'd like to tell you, I fell on my knees and said, yes, Lord. Instead, I said, okay, pastor, I'll take it under advisement. Let's go tell the people what you got to tell them, right? He shrugs my arm off his, off his shoulder mark, off his arm. He's a true man of God. He said, I'm not finished saying what the Lord told me to tell you. You're in denial, but she knows I'm telling the truth. And in a moment, she received it. And she says, yes, and I'm going, oh my goodness. You're about to kill my dream. So I weasel my way out of that circumstance. Here comes Pastor David, the other pastor that's at the same camp that was directed in the roundabout way by my grandfather and father. And he says, hey, I heard about your conversation with Brother David. I mean, with Brother Richard. What are you so scared of? I'm 20-something years old. I'm strong. I've walked in bad neighborhoods. I said, I'm not scared of a thing. He says, you're scared to death. God will change your plans. Father... If you're scared to death, God will change your plans. Let him change them. It's better than you could ever imagine. It's better than you could ever imagine. So watch. I'm about to finish. This is where it gets good. I said, what do you want me to do? He says, let's pray together for an entire year. Dedicate yourself to prayer. So I dedicated myself to praying an hour and a half every morning. Lord, what do you have for me? What do you have for me? There's a legacy happening. There's something happening here. I want to receive what you have for me. Come on, remember, you get to choose what you receive. You get to choose what you leave. And so I said, I'll, I'll do whatever. A year later at Reunion Arena, Promise Keepers, God hits me between the eyes. I know for a fact he's called me to preach the gospel. So I'm walking through the arena. Everyone has now made a decision. I'm the only one moving around because of some circumstances that God ordained. And I'm having this conversation with him. I'm saying, Lord, you always call your sheep. They hear your voice and you use their name. I heard my name and I heard your voice. Yes, my answer is yes, Lord. And just then I said, man, I heard my name. I heard my name. I hear Chris. And I'm like, Lord. (laughs) And Jaime, he says, up here. I said, Lord, you're freaking me out. It's brother David in the second tier of Reunion Arena. And he's going. So I run up there and this is what he says to me. God always confirms his word with two or three witnesses. He says, come here. He puts his hand on me. He says, brother Brother Richard was the first. Your wife was the second. Let me be the third. Go preach the gospel. I convey a blessing on you, son. Go preach the gospel. Go preach the gospel. That's what he says right there. Okay, you want to hear something really cool that I didn't learn until I preached a very similar sermon at my grandfather's funeral? My dad comes up to me with tears in his eyes and he says, I heard your testimony for the first time of how you received your calling. What you didn't know is that I gave you to the Lord and I put my hand on you and I spoke everything I just never told you, but I knew God was faithful. Come on, fathers. Okay, okay, it gets better. Gets better. He says, Pastor Richard, the man 
who was outside your dorm room and prophesied over you and gave you a letter a year in advance of things happening. He said, open this a year from now. And I will, you will see that the word of the Lord is true because it's going to happen just the way I said. But open it a year from now. He said, that same man was in grandpa's church outside of Fort Stockton in year such and such. And he gave him his life to the Lord under your grandfather's ministry. And he also accepted his call to the pastorate under your grandfather's leadership. Something you never could have known. And yet these years later, because of a grandfather and a father conveying a blessing, God brought it back around and used that man to speak into your life prophetically. And you're preaching the gospel because of all of it coming full circle. I know I've taken a little bit of time. But fathers, can you get excited about the fact that God gives you an ability to leave something supernatural for your children? Get after it. Get after it. So some ask me, some ask me, pastor, why do you teach? Oh, pastor, why do you preach? I'm just following a family tradition. A family tradition. I know it took you a little bit longer because I was, we had a lot to do today. A lot of good things. But fathers, let's celebrate the most amazing father of all. Father God and father in heaven, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for sending your son Jesus as the greatest gift we could ever receive. We receive it full-heartedly. And Lord, help us to leave it for the next generation. A love for our King. A faith in our King. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, have a great day. I love y'all.